We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. Hey, it's Flo, and this is my impression of a tech-savvy royal family. Yes, yes, ever since the palace became Wi-Fi enabled, it's become so easy to use the Name Your Price tool on Progressive.com. I do agree, my queen. Simply telling it what we want to spend and seeing all our policy options, I'll send a screenshot to Duke, the Duke of Kent. No, my friend Duke, we're in a group chat together, LOL. It's easy to find insurance that fits your budget with the Name Your Price tool at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Roto-Wire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you deposit for a free contest entry today. It is Wednesday, November 3rd, 2015. I'm Jake Letarski. You can follow me at Twitter at jakeski 52 Here alongside Eric Katuri, you can give him a follow at ETCAT30. Eric, it's one of the biggest weeks of the season for injuries. How are your teams holding up? Well, this week was uh, pretty crappy. Uh, had Le'Veon Bell in one league, so he's done. At least I was able to pick up D'Angelo. Or, um, this is a league in which I can actually make claims like right during game day. Instantly. So I made a claim uh, instantly on D'Angelo, so that'll be happening sometime today, Tuesday. Um, otherwise, it was an 0-4 week, so yeah. not Ooh. good. I had a tough week myself, went 2-3, and three. a couple of tough breaks, also a couple of... Uh, you know, injuries, that type of thing. Happened to lose Keenan Allen for the season now, by the way. Uh, kidney lesion out for the year placed on IR. Happened to lose Keenan Allen in the same league. 
where I lost Jamal Charles, and it's just uh, looking rough there, so I can almost scratch right. the playoffs on that one. But I still have two, maybe three leagues where I'm pretty optimistic about the playoffs. Are you in the same boat? Think I, you can recover? I, I think in three of three or four, I still have a legitimate chance of making it. And I just looked, and I thought I lost in one league, but I actually pulled out a victory. Ooh, so you got one. one. Got so one. six and two, five and three, five and three are the leagues that I'm you know hoping to make the playoffs in right now. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll dive further yeah. into our woes a little bit into the show as we uh, <laughs> totally. as we. Yeah, as we pick up uh, with the waiver wire talk this week as usual. But first, real quick, this podcast is now available on both iTunes and Stitcher. And Eric and I, as well as the entire rest of our crew, would really appreciate it. If you could take just a moment to leave us a five-star rating review if you happen to be listening on those platforms. Uh, This is the waiver wire podcast, but as usual, we're going to start with Monday Night Football recap because it was quite the eventful game on Monday night. Again, that was a, a tight finish in overtime. The Colts 26, the Panthers 29, pulling out the win at home right from underneath Andrew Luck here. Overall, it was a pretty sloppy game, both literally and figuratively. We saw a lot of downpour in the whole first half. Seven combined turnovers throughout the game. The Colts did erase a big comeback later, but the real story of this game for me was watching Andrew Luck struggle so mightily early on. He only had 40 passing yards through the first three quarters of this game. Now, now, Eric, do you think... I mean, what can what can we blame here? Is it protection? Is he maybe playing hurt? Is it just the conditions? Does he not have the weapons? Like, it's about time to maybe consider stop making excuses for Andrew Luck and 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 try to explain this. Yeah, and when it comes to that, you you would think they'd actually put him on the injury report so they can can actually start blaming something. We know that he missed a game two games earlier in the season with a shoulder injury. Mm-hmm. And then they reported midweek this past week that he was dealing with, with cracked ribs. I don't know if that was totally substantiated, but something came out about that. Mm-hmm. So those two are combining, I think, to really limit his effectiveness. And at the same time, like you said, the blocking is not up to par. So, I mean, that doesn't help when the field is... You yeah, know, when it's quite to, wet. Yeah, when it's tough to get your footing like that, that's uh, just as tough on an offensive lineman as it is a, a you know receiver Cor- to try to make those types of cuts. Exactly, and, yeah. and especially to make uh, you know those quick snap catches as well. Uh, any kind of acrobatic catch always becomes more difficult. Yeah. So after throwing for forty passing yards through three quarters, only one interception, uh, he actually finished with one hundred ninety-one yards thereafter with two TDs and two more interceptions. So yeah. So the final uh, well, line looks makes it look a lot better than what it actually was did, early on. So did that make you feel better about how the game, how he finished the game, yeah, like I mean, going forward? I don't have luck in too many places. Uh, I think this is the one situation where being a homer and taking Aaron Rodgers before <laughs> Andrew Luck this yeah. year uh, that might have uh, that might have helped me out in a, in, a, in a couple leagues this year. So I'm definitely grateful for that. But if I were a luck owner, it would put me at ease a little bit. Now the second half, the rain stopped quite a bit. It wasn't it wasn't coming down quite as hard. So maybe that opened it up, but. There was a point in the fourth quarter where the Colts were down 17 points and Gruden in the Monday Night Football telecast is all over the place. We need to launch an investigation into Luck. They're not listing him on his injury report. He has to be hurt. That's the only reason he's playing so bad. But almost right on cue, he turns around and leads a 17-point comeback to send this game to overtime. So, uh, you know, go ahead and throw that those hot takes out the window there. Uh, Andre Johnson, a big part of his effort here in the comeback, finished with four catches on eight targets for 81 yards and a touchdown. Colby Fleener, Luck Stanford buddy, actually led the Colts in targets with 11. Ended up finishing with 7 for 43 and a touchdown. Got one of the bigger uh, scores of the game to really put that game in reach. Uh, Not uh, the typical stat lines for guys like Dante Moncrief, T.Y. Hilton. Two catches for Moncrief, 18 yards on seven targets. Hilton was targeted seven times as well, but only caught one of those passes. Does that say more about the Colts receivers or does that really say more about guys like Roman Harper and Josh Norman from the Panthers yeah so Josh Norman was uh you know following Hilton wherever he went on the field last night Mm -hmm. uh, Monday night so it's not really surprising that he caught only one of seven targets uh Norman is one of the leaders in interceptions this year so it's it was probably a good thing that uh, Luck didn't throw his way too incredibly often and only limited himself to three uh, turnovers in the game. So anyway, yeah. uh, Griff Whalen, too, had a pretty decent game here, too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was very efficient, caught all five of his targets for 48 yards, including a big fourth down catch conversion that to really keep the game alive, which went to review, but the call stood. There wasn't quite enough uh, evidence to overturn it. And, and call it a drop there. So, uh, so, so do you think he's somebody that might factor in the passing game going forward? I mean, the, he is a, another Stanford buddy. 
You know, you, you'd think so, but I'm not overly optimistic. Yeah. Just about the consistency on a week-to-week basis. When you've got guys like Hilton, Moncrief, and even Andre Johnson coming through. I think uh, I did see Andre Johnson sitting on the waiver wire in a few of my leagues. And, you know, you might want to think about that as yeah. him and Luck start to get a little bit more more comfortable. He's not someone we explicitly mentioned in our receiver targets today, but he is another name to consider now that we're going through here. Uh, lastly, on the Colts side, Frank Gore, 22 carries, 70 yards. Did fumble again, but did not lose it. There was a lot of fumbles last night. you got to take that with a grain of salt considering the weather conditions here. But let's head over to the winning side, the Carolina Panthers side. Cam Newton, accuracy never really uh, a main, I guess, attribute of him. Finished uh, 16 completions on 35 attempts for 248 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. One of the bigger stories, as usual, is Cam Newton and his rushing yards. Respectable totals on the ground, 10 carries for 41 yards. But really on the ground, it was Jonathan Stewart, and I was really high on him coming into this week against the Colts defense. He had a a pretty modest game, 15-16 fantasy points, uh, 24 carries, 82 yards, and a touchdown. John Stewart, firmly at RB2 for the rest of the year for you, Eric? Uh, yeah, indeed, and you know it always helps out when he gets those goal line carries too. Uh, and I was able to s- snipe one from uh, Cam Newton, who normally is the one getting them down there, mm-hmm. or Tolbert even, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing with Stewart. The one knock is Cam Newton is possibly his biggest threat, but Mike Tolbert's a bowling ball back there at fullback, and he could just as easily get any of those goal line carries. Yeah. And there was a fumble, I believe. The Panthers turned the ball over. I don't know if it was an exchange or a snap. I can't remember exactly, but they turned the ball over inside their own five in the second half. So that was potentially yeah. another touchdown. You know, and if Stewart, you know, we can play what if all day, but if he scores again, that's a twenty point fantasy day, and that's really more than you could ever ask for. Oh, indeed, yeah. Yeah. On the receiving side here, Greg Olson, as expected, once again the leading target, six catches on twelve targets, most targets from any Carolina Panthers. Turned that into seventy nine yards and a score. Uh, Greg Olson, I mean, how many tight ends are better than him the rest of the year outside of Gronk? Yeah, it's just the uh, you know sheer volume of targets that he's getting that makes him so valuable. But then you come, come to Ted Ginn, he gets 10 targets right behind him and only catches two of them. Luckily, one of them went for 48, so he was able to salvage a decent day. Yeah, absolutely. Ginn had a couple drops on the evening, and of course the conditions aren't, weren't really doing anybody yeah. any favors from a fantasy perspective or from a fantasy perspective outside of maybe the running backs who each had 20-plus carries in that game. Uh, Corey slash Philly Brown mm-hmm. also had himself uh, three catches on five targets for 42 yards and a score, so he is playing a role as usual. Mike Tolbert got a 40-yard pass hauled in. Usually you don't think of him as much of a pass-catching threat, but it was kind of a, it was a play in which Newton was in trouble. Tolbert was in the backfield to pass protect, and and, and Newton kind of slung it to him at the last second over to the side. So you know, not we're not going to start talking about Tolbert as a receiving threat after looking at the box score. Just no. kind of one of those fluky plays. It's going to be the Greg Olson and Ted Ginn show for the rest of the year, correct? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right on here. Well, that's pretty much uh, all that has to do uh, with Monday Night Football outside of you know recapping the last bunch of field goals at the end. Vinatieri, a hero as usual. Your standard IDP heroes, Luke Keekley, 14 tackles to Quell Jackson, 13. So we're going to move on from Monday Night Football at this time and get into the meat and potatoes of the show here. This is our waiver wire fab preview for week nine now we've got a pretty exciting preview a lot of names to talk about mostly related to injuries but a couple related to performance and other opportunities just a reminder before we get started here week nine buys we've got the arizona cardinals baltimore ravens detroit lions houston texans kansas city chiefs and seattle seahawks so there's quarterbacks receivers running backs big time tight ends all that are going to need replacements this week Uh, a couple other reminders all percentages are percent owned we took most most of these early tuesday morning and we're going to give some fab estimates as well for those who use a free agent acquisition budget here those are all going to be based on standard scoring 12 team format with a hundred dollar budget to start out so please remember to adjust accordingly if you're really having a tough time thinking of how to uh, how to bid Feel free to get get at one of us on Twitter. We'll be happy to help you out with your questions here. Again, that's at jakeski52, at etcat30. But, Eric, let's move into the quarterback section of the show. And there's a lot of quarterback news going on this week. But from my perspective, there's not not much you can do to act on these news, whether it's, whether it's matchup or anything like that. So I'm going to hit real quick a couple of the guys that we already have mentioned in the past but still have pretty decent ownership. And first off is Derek Carr, the Raiders. 40% owned in Yahoo leagues, 35% in ESPN leagues. So there's a better than a 50-50 shot that he's available. Personally, I looked at matchups last week and I saw Carr against the Jets, Teddy Bridgewater against the Bears. 
I played Bridgewater thinking matchup, and that came back to burn me. Trust me, I'm not going to make that mistake again. Can Derek Carr continue to keep this up through the rest of the season? Yeah, I think he's already kind of proven it. He had a kind of a stinker in week one, less than 100 yards passing, but since then he's had three 300-yard outings and five with multiple TDs uh, during that span. So that's really encouraging, of course. And since his week six bye, he's averaged 311 yards passing with a 7-0 to TD to interception ratio. So everything's trending in the right direction. He's you know, gaining confidence and getting the, that rapport with Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree, Crabtree rather, it yeah. looks great. Yeah, Crabtree had another spectacular outing on Sunday, seven catches for 102 yards and a touchdown, 12 targets for him. So starting to build more and more chemistry with Carr. And of course, we all know what the rookie Amari Cooper is capable of there. And it just seems to me like a case of them having plenty of weapons. And I mm-hmm. think Carr is going to be more than useful over the next couple of weeks, just taking a look ahead to his upcoming schedule uh, at Pittsburgh versus Minnesota, at Detroit, at Tennessee versus Kansas City. Then he's got a tough matchup against Denver, but that's a pretty favorable stretch coming up, right? I, I definitely like the Steelers matchup too because they've allowed 317 passing yards over the last four weeks and at least one touchdown pass in seven of eight games. So that's a pretty good base if you're looking for a you know quarterback in like a 14, 12 or 14-team league yeah, for replacement right. this week. Yeah, right on. So if you're counting on Carson Palmer, Joe Flacco, Matt Stafford, <laughs> um, Russell Wilson this week all on buys I think Derek Carr is not someone you just pick up this week but is very well worth owning the rest of the season I've got three quarterbacks in the league where I can only start one Carr Bridgewater and Sam Bradford and I'm starting David or Derek Carr every week without yeah. looking back for sure yeah per- personally I have a Carson Palmer you know quandary in multiple leagues and wherever Carr is available uh, available I've already picked him up yeah, and I'd say he's worth a decent bid because after this four-touchdown week, uh, I don't think he's going to be available. That availability is going to dry up really, really yes. fast. Yeah. Of course, he's already owned in two quarterback leagues at this point. Yes, Another quarterback that is most definitely worth a look. Um, not, not, the, not the flashiest stat line uh, from Sunday against the Falcons, but again, Jameis Winston, 16 for 29, 171 yards and a touchdown. Also, uh, three rushes for 24 yards and a touchdown. We always like those rushing quarterbacks, guys like uh, even Tyrod Taylor could be talked about in the same boat here, always helping out. But Jameis Winston now, he's got himself a pretty nice schedule coming up. Got the Giants at home, got the Cowboys at home, then goes to Philly, goes to Indianapolis, then has has, uh, the Falcons at home, the Saints at home. That's a pretty solid remaining schedule. I think there's definitely some utility to get out of him rest of the way out. Oh, yeah, indeed. Uh yeah, like you said, he didn't have a great outing uh, this last time, and he has yet to throw over 300 yards in his fir- in the first seven games of his career, but he also hasn't thrown an interception in three straight games, so he hasn't actually hurt you in that regard at all, mm-hmm. of late at least, if you are utilizing him. Yeah, absolutely, and this is the second time he's gotten the end zone on his legs this year, so surely worth a look here. He, again, he's only owned an 18% of Yahoo, 17% of ESPN formats, so uh Plenty of availability there if you're looking for a stream this week. Uh, His price still hasn't quite caught up in daily, I don't think. Uh, So there's always a decent tournament play if you're looking to differentiate yourself, I suppose. Especially since he's playing the Giants, who just gave up 505 yards passing and seven touchdowns to Drew Brees. So that's something to consider going into uh, this weekend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Drew Brees, that that, that Saints-Giants game, man, if you didn't have half your daily lineup centered in that game, you probably didn't cash this week. Yeah, and... the Buccaneers are similarly bad against the pass, so this might actually be a shootout in yep. Tampa this weekend. Yep, so maybe this is the game to stack and target. We'll uh, definitely be discussing that more as the week goes on, but there, there's surely plenty of viable fantasy matchups here here to come yeah. in the near future. Uh, some news updates that I alluded to earlier. Jets quarterback watch, man, both Ryan Fitzpatrick with a left thumb injury and Geno Smith with a left shoulder injury are pretty much considered day-to-day. If they have to, Bryce Petty is up next on the depth chart. I don't think you can get much value out of any of these guys. Really, are are anybody worth a look? Yeah, it looks like we're going to have to see how the week goes on to see how Ryan Fitzpatrick recovers from his torn ligaments in the left hand. Mm -hmm. And also uh, Geno Smith is dealing with abdominal and left shoulder injuries. So they're so ailing that you almost think they're going to consider bringing in a quarterback, perhaps Matt Flynn, who they had on the roster earlier in the year. 
Yeah, that's another candidate uh, in case they don't think uh, former Baylor product Bryce Petty is ready. That's yeah. just what the depth chart says there. So exactly worth keeping my, uh, watch on in those two quarterback leagues. We'll have more information for you as uh, the week goes on regarding injuries and especially the Thursday preview. Yeah, one one other thing to consider with uh, the Jets too is Brandon Marshall is kind of ailing that right now as well. He has mm-hmm. ankle and toe, in- toe injuries from this past weekend. So and Chris Ivory's been dealing with the hamstring issue too. Yeah, just uh, we'll get to some of those replacement options uh, later in the show, but just overall an offense that uh, is ailing quite a bit. Yeah. The next uh, next bit of news, quarterback-related, we want to touch on. Hate to do this to you every week, but we got to give you a Johnny <laughs> Football update here. Once again, Josh McCown, day-to-day after taking a beating from the Cardinals. He was, uh, I mean, Johnny Manziel warmed up on the sidelines several times in that game, uh, basically getting ready to come in, but they never put him in. McCown kind of played through the discomfort. Uh, long story short, though, they have a short week Thursday. They go to Cincinnati, so Johnny Manziel is probably going to start. I think that's what they're preparing for right now. Of course, the ever-evasive Mike Patton is like, oh, I don't know, McCown's our starter. If he's healthy, he'll play, but I, I just, I'm not sure after watching last week's game if he's physically capable. Let's say McCown does sit, Johnny starts. Is there any situation in which you'd play him? Yeah, I guess the only situation McCown can be played is if, I mean, you're not going to know. Like, it, yeah. If Manziel is named the starter, only ineffectiveness would probably result on him being on the sidelines, you know, mm-hmm. or later in the game, and then McCaw would be in there, but you can't change anything at that point. Yeah, exactly. So, but I mean, I'm just saying, like, if there are, there, I'd say McCown's almost a coin toss at this point on a short week. You'd like to see him get I mean, some practice in. So if they do make the announcement prior to Thursday night, I'm, I'm just talking hypotheticals here, there is Johnny Manziel. But remember Johnny Manziel, what happened to him against the Bengals last year? Absolutely destroyed. Uh, mm-hmm. I just, I don't see any That was his that, first career start, correct? Yeah, I believe yeah. his first one because he came in later in the game the week before. But I don't really see any reason how this is going to go any differently. If anything, the Bengals' defense on a whole is, is greatly improved. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, they're definitely a better pass rushing team this year. They've gone from bottom of the pack to near the top of the pack. So, yep. yeah, Mantel could be running for his life. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and no matter who's under center, it's probably going to be happening. Absolutely. And Menzel could be down a couple of receivers as well, both uh, Andrew Hawkins and Brian Hartline, who uh, scored, I believe, last week. Uh, both of those guys in concussion protocol. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, Hawkins probably on the tail end <laughs> of that. Right. Hartline just getting into it. So it's going to be a Benjamin Barnage show, uh, if anything. And Menzel had plenty of reps with them on the second team offense last year. But I still, the matchup's just too tough for me to really consider even even picking him up or starting him in any kind of format outside of your deep two-quarterback leagues. Speaking of deep two-quarterback leagues here, it looks like Colin Kaepernick will be benched for Week 9 in favor of the one and only former Jacksonville Jaguar great Blaine Gabbert, who will start Week 9 against the Falcons here. Is there is there much of anything to think that uh, he could produce in this game? Uh, considering his track record, 53% of... Co- 53% completion percentage in his career, 23 touchdowns to 29 intercep- 24 interceptions in 29 games. I would say no. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you, Eric. He's, lo- he's lost Vernon Davis as well. Yeah, yeah, no Vernon Davis. And, and just you look at that whole roster from top to bottom. They had to bring in Pierre Thomas and Sean Drone this week. It was uh, just brutal overall because uh, the running back situation, Carlos Hyde's got that stress, stress fracture. He's going to need to sit a few weeks if they want to get him right. And yep. uh, Reggie Bush out for the season, of course. And then, I mean, Anquan Bolden wasn't active last week, and now they miss Vernon Davis. This is pretty much a punted season here. And uh, unless you're targeting the defense against Blaine Gabbert, I'd, you know, a Falcons defense could be an excellent play in daily this week for if they – come at a reasonable price so unless you're targeting that defense there's little fantasy utility to find in any anywhere on this 49ers offense anymore exactly (laughs) it's very yeah it's a grim situation yes absolutely so uh with that uh, that's really all the quarterback news we have for you today let's move on to running backs the most important part of our show just want to note we did mention this last week david cobb of the titans uh only owned a 23 percent of yahoo leagues there so about a quarter of leagues i'd say he's going to come off the injured reserve here this is a dart for deeper formats at best right or do you like the upside there uh yeah it's more it's definitely that I mean Antonio Andrews only managed 16 for 64 yards in uh this past weekend's game McCluster three for 15 on the ground they were also the only running backs uh who actually gathered in targets so Bishop Sankey and Terrence West have you know basically gone out of the lineup like they're not even being played at all I don't know I think Perhaps the 
fact that they made a coaching change, they fired Ken Wisenot today, mm-hmm. could you know force them to maybe search for other th- options that are more successful, like David Cobb. So, yeah, like you said, uh, a dart, but something that could uh, soon reap dividends. Yeah, you never know. The new coach comes in and, and could decide to shake the backfield up and or put everyone in reevaluation mode. But just wanted to get that David Cobb honorable mention out of the way. But the real highlight of today's show is we need to talk about D'Angelo Williams of the Pittsburgh Steelers, only owned in 25% of Yahoo and 28% of ESPN leagues. Now, the reason we're bringing him up is Le'Veon Bell. Placed on IR, the Steelers are pretty optimistic he'll be ready to go for week one next season. But as far as the rest of this season, uh, no moss here. D'Angelo Williams going to lead this train. In relief of Le'Veon Bell Sunday uh, against the Bengals, carried the ball nine times for 71 yards, caught all four of his targets for a total of 39 yards. Of course, uh, uh, Le'Veon Bell started with um, you know nine carries as well, so uh, they, they were splitting until Bell had to come out of that game. Just a brutal injury for Le'Veon Bell. Uh, all those owners that were sitting pretty in good shape may not be, and there could be room to make up ground here. But the first step in making up up ground is is going to be pretty much bid the rest of your fab budget on D'Angelo Williams, correct? Oh, yeah, indeed. So, yeah, he started the first two games of the year when, uh, you know, Le'Veon was suspended for nefarious stuff from last season. Uh, anyway, during those two games and Sunday's game combined, he's had 50 carries for 275 yards and three TDs, which is good for 5.5 yards per carry. Mm-hmm. And that's also when Roethlisberger was under center, which is, you know, what come to fruition. Back, yep. it, we're back to uh, normalcy aside from Le'Veon Bell not being around. So it, it, it is encouraging. And he also has made an impact in the passing game as well. Mm-hmm. He said he had nine receptions for 59 yards on 10 targets in those three games. So he'll get you... Um, you know, value at every single aspect of, uh, you know, the offense here. Yeah, he, he can even be started in an eight-team league, I'd say. He, yeah. he warrants that consideration. He's going to see the snaps. He's going to get the touches. Week nine, they have the Raiders at home. So that's, a I mean, a decent matchup there. There's some talent on that Raiders defense there. But I think this Pittsburgh offense, uh, I, I'm not saying they're not going to miss a beat without Le'Veon Bell, but they're still going to keep rolling here. They've got so, plenty of weapons, and that running game is going to take off. So he's just going to get basically all the touches, all the touches, all the backfield. So the fact that Oakland has only given up 3.6 yards per carry to running backs doesn't impact him as much because he could get 25 to 30 carries and mm-hmm. still have a 100-yard outing. Yeah, unless the Steelers fall way behind early in any games, I don't see any reason, and even if they do, I don't see any reason why Williams won't get 20 plus carries or at least 20 touches or opportunities to make make a play there I think he's uh one of the top candidates there in that respect yeah indeed yeah so I've right now I've got bids of 31 34 11 and you know what those all have in common they're the rest of my budget (laughs) and I'll I'll be soon doing uh 35 and Mm -hmm. my one (laughs) yeah but but if you have 60 dollars left go ahead and bid 60 dollars if you have $91 $91 left. You might as well wrap it up here because yeah. uh, this is the rare opportunity. Now, I know we like to jump guys er- uh, uh, earlier in the year. In the last couple of weeks, I've recommended some high bids. Not necessarily uh, have they always panned out, but if there's any sure thing in fantasy football, this is the exact moral of the story of why you might save your waiver wire money and, and wait for early on. Yeah, so when it came to like, you know, Matt Jones or Charkandrick West earlier in the season, those were entities that weren't, we weren't totally certain about. And, mm-hmm. you know, injuries have befallen Jones and Tricandrick has had a good outing in the meantime, yep. so at least it's paid off in that regard. But this one is guaranteed, like you said. Yeah, Charkandrick West, I believe he scored now in back-to-back weeks, if I'm not mistaken here. Now, yeah, we did warn that first week after the Charles injury that he might be rough going against Minnesota, but West, I just aside here, back-to-back 20-carry weeks uh, over those two weeks, uh, over 200 yards, two touchdowns. So he's starting to pan out like the fantasy back we'd hoping we would see. But Williams is even safer than that, and you got to go all out here, especially without Le'Veon Bell yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. We might get to a few more Steelers later in the show. Hint, hint. But let's uh, keep going with the running backs. Uh, we've got C.J. Spiller of the Saints. Now his ownership is actually pretty high: fifty-nine percent of Yahoo leagues, fifty-seven percent of ESPN leagues. So it is unlikely you'll see him out there on the waiver wire if he's available. Now Sunday against the Giants in a shootout, his numbers weren't particularly spectacular. There, four carries for twenty-one yards. Two catches uh, on four targets, 15 yards, and a receiving touchdown. So got you double-digit fantasy points just based on the receiving aspect there. But the reason we're bringing his name up again is because Kyrie Robinson is out for the season after undergoing surgery to repair a broken tibia. 
So, of course, Mark Ingram is still the man in New Orleans here. But is there room for Spiller on third downs and potentially more? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Robinson so far has averaged 9.1, or when he was healthy at least, averaged 9.1 touches per game. Mm-hmm. Spiller so far has averaged 6.4 touches per game. Some of those are going to spill over to Spiller. Uh, I could easily see him getting 10 touches combined per game, and probably a lot of those in the receiving game. So you could yield a, a lot of results in PPR formats. Some of that usage is, of course, going to go to uh, Mark Ingram, but... Yeah, Spiller should definitely get up to that range where he should be effective, uh, you know, most weeks. Yep, and the Saints went out and uh, kind of executed a backup plan as well and signed Tim Hightower, but I don't see him being used outside of emergency-type situations there at all. Yeah, when he previously played from 2008 to 2011, he was actually pretty effective as a receiver. I think he had like 128 catches on over 53 games, but that is four years ago, so we're not ex- fully expecting him to be re- a threat right away. Mm-hmm. So as far as uh, fab budget or fab budget fab budget goes, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know why what word I just made up there, but uh, fifteen to twenty dollars I wrote down. Is that fair? You say you make your primary bid all your money on Williams, but if you still need a running back for this week and, and need a backup plan, you might as well put a bid down on Spiller as well if, if he's available. Yeah, I would say mid teens is probably the max I would go personally. I don't know if I'd go as high as 20, but it really depends on how much money I have left too. Yeah, it's money that you have left, amount of teams in your league. Of course, if you have uh, 12 or more teams, he's probably not going to be available. Um, but really the difference maker for me is, uh, whereas he was sitting on my bench before, now I'm going to consider starting him more weeks uh, than not. And yep. it starts out with a pretty favorable matchup week nine against Tennessee. So, uh, you know, we could, we, could see some, we could see some work there, especially if the Saints manage to get ahead there. It's another home game for the Saints. Uh, yeah, I mean, I drafted C.J. Spiller in a couple spots with uh, Darren Sproles and a Sean Payton offense pipe dreams, and it hasn't really worked out that way so far. But there's potential nonetheless here. Yeah, we've seen guys like Traveris Cadet come out of nowhere. Uh, at least we know what C.J. Spiller can do in his career. So, mm-hmm. you know, he might be returning to his Buffalo days soon in terms of fantasy value. Uh, yep, I, I would agree with you right there. Uh, one, there was one point where C.J. Spiller was a first-round fantasy pick yes. everywhere. I mean, granted, most people lost heavily in those leagues the year that that happened <laughs> but uh but nonetheless uh his upside was through the roof when he was entering the league and we might still see a few shades of that uh and and possibly enough for some fantasy productivity i could see him as a pretty good flex play moving forward oh yeah yeah definitely all right another running back we want to take a look at here we'll head uh, right over to our own midwest here uh division rivals chicago bears uh i just say that because we're, we're we're packer guys up here but uh I want to look at Jeremy Langford at the Bears because he's owned in just 10% of Yahoo leagues, 4% of ESPN leagues. And the reason being is Matt Forte, his status is pretty much up in the air. The Bears are one of the toughest teams to get actual injury information from. Um, it's said to be a knee injury. We know that. They don't think it's season ending, but you've heard things like MCL damage, that kind of thing. They haven't officially ruled him out for week nine, so we don't really know for sure yet. But, I mean, he, he left the game and... I, I just I don't know I I'm still bidding on Jeremy Langford this week just to just in case especially if I'm owning Matt Forte anywhere yeah you definitely want to cover your bases and you know don't let a potential starting running back get away so if you can get him like you said for five to ten dollars here you know why not and especially as a handcuff for Forte if you are an owner of owner of his uh, what do you think do you think he'll be the clear cut number one if Forte is out like there's no doubt about that yeah I think. They're going to go to him. They might go to Kadeem Carey once in a while. I mean, there's always Anton Smith for third downs, but I just yeah. – Langford's got to be the guy so far. He's been the first off the bench when they did need to give Forte a break, and I think that continues there. But the real thing that I'm optimistic about is the matchup here. Now, Week 9 yes. is going to San Diego. It is a road matchup, but uh, mind you, keep in mind that the Chargers – Giving up the most fantasy points per game, two opposing running backs here. 22.1 uh, total to opposing running backs in standard scoring formats here. If that number means anything, I know I know everyone's got their different formats here. But yeah, that's standard scoring, but yep. still, it's mm-hmm. pretty massive. Yeah, it puts it in perspective. It's a couple points greater than the next highest team, which is, for your reference, is the Cleveland Browns having a rough time against running backs uh, this year, as shown once again with Chris Johnson. But anyway, the matchup's very favorable. So if you get Jeremy Langford uh, to start, I think he's a great... Well, 
he could be a great daily play if we get more information on Forte. Otherwise, you might need to save that knowledge for those Monday-Thursday contests that some yeah. sites like to host. Uh, but uh, overall, I mean, Langford, I, I put 5-8 to eight if Forte is healthy just as, as a safety net. But if we get more Forte news, I could see you upping that to $10, $15. Yeah, and we'd have to get that you know news by the end of Tuesday for you to actually up those bids. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's just something to keep in mind. You, you probably want to be a little more muted just in case, but, you know... Yeah, uh, if it's a casual bid, five to eight. But if you're yeah. a fourteen or forte owner, I'd say twelve to sixteen. Yeah, just to, just to make sure that you're covered for next week, especially if you're thin on running backs, which is entirely possible after all those guys went down this week. So uh, while th- the Chargers did experience a lot of injuries on the offensive side, which we'll mention shortly, uh, on the defensive side they also had a lot of injuries uh, in the Baltimore game this mm-hmm. past weekend. So they're going to be hammered all over the place and. Uh, you know, Jeremy Lankford could very well take advantage of that. Yeah, it's a defense that I've already heard called one of the worst in the league and, yeah. you know, add a couple injuries to that, and, and they're not really going up from there, even with the home matchup. Yeah. All right, another running back we want to hit on. We're kind of in the dart-throwing, Hail Mary, whatever you want to call it, portion of our show where uh, <laughs> they, there's uh, small, just kind of small backs that you got to consider in deeper formats. Probably not going to pick up and start right away this week, whereas these past three backs we've discussed – you could probably pick up and start right away this week. But one guy who you might want to pick up but take a wait-and-see approach on is Stephen Ridley of the Jets. Now, we mentioned Chris Ivory a little bit banged up. Stephen Ridley pretty much available everywhere. 3% owned in Yahoo leagues, 2% owned in ESPN leagues. Does have a nice matchup week 9 against the Jaguars. and But, of course... Uh, we haven't really seen much from him yet. He was active in week eight, but didn't see any snaps, whereas Zach Stacy saw 25-plus snaps here. Do we start to see this, the tide turning there if uh, if Ivory's unable to go? Um, perhaps, but it really is probably contingent on who's under center as well. If they're, if Fitzpatrick is actually able to play, they're probably going to have more of a downfield you know, aspect to their offense, whereas if Geno Smith is under center, I don't see them actually, you know, having much of a deep threat what do you think like have those saver options for him available or if it's even Bryce Petty or Matt Flynn who we talked about earlier yeah it's it really is a toss-up here so it's it's a very risky play but I think if you're sitting in a 16 team or greater format yeah uh, and the value on running back someone probably let Ridley loose we saw a lot of his potential in, in New England with Belichick some of that got derailed by uh, by a couple fumbles there but he does He's he's a decent between the tackle runner. He's proven that it's just a matter of opportunity right now. And I'm looking. Chris Ivory actually doesn't have an official injury designation. He does. Uh, I mean, he had a rough game. He had six runs that went for negative yards. And uh, you know, he, we have hamstring kind of by him as that's what he's been dealing with in the past. So nothing's for certain there. Whereas Bilal Powell, uh, we've got we do have an injury designation on him. He's dealing with an ankle injury. Uh, was ruled out, missed last week's game. And that's why Stacy got so much work there. So eventually, you know, Ridley has a chance to work his way into the mix, but he might need an injury or two to really uh, spurn relevance yeah, in that yeah, respect. Yeah, I agree. All right, and uh, as we alluded to earlier with uh, when we were talking about uh, the exciting uh, – adventures of Colin Kaepernick and Blaine Gabbert we want to head back to the San Francisco 49ers backfield now we did mention they they signed both Pierre Thomas and Chandron this week so both screen depth and the reason they had to do that Carlos Hyde stress fracture in his foot he was inactive last week Reggie Bush torn ACL out for the season Mike Davis uh, scheduled for surgery on a broken hand Tuesday when it comes to Reggie Bush to torn MCL oh his I, his ACL is intact his ACL is intact all yeah. right so yeah keep that in mind listeners uh, when you drop him of course uh, because uh, torn MCL not ACL so yeah. thanks for the correction there yeah no problem um, yeah you bet but where does that leave us in the 49ers' backfield? Do you take two guys off the street that uh, are just getting thrown into a new offense, or do you maybe turn to a guy like Kendall Gaskins, who is really the only active, healthy running back on the depth chart following the game on Sunday? Yeah, so he made his only appearance of the season because of all the injuries to the backfield on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had five carries for six yards, two receptions on three targets for 17 yards. Uh, and the latter portion of his game could actually you know, yield some fruit because Atlanta's given up a league-high 62 receptions for 497 yards to running backs this season. So that's just something to keep in mind. Like uh, Gabbert might check down a lot because you know he hasn't played forever, and that could 
result in Gaskins actually having a decent week through the air, maybe more so than on the ground. Yeah, and he's going to be bottom barrel price in all daily formats. He's going to be available in, in every single one of your leagues that hasn't had instant ad drops go through already. Yeah. So maybe worth zero one dollar bid if you miss out on all the rest of your bids. I just when I'm I I've learned the things I've learned from football this year is I want I want to really know more about the player have have seen them play rather than look at a name and on a stat sheet and that just feels like what it is for me with Gaskins just looking at a name now the potential's there the opportunities there but I yeah. haven't seen much of what he can really do so he's really my last choice and when it comes to ranking all the guys that we've talked about today if you're going to take a chance I'd take one with David Cobb over Gaskins but nonetheless he's worth mentioning due to the situation correct yeah and then when you're looking at Sean Dron and you know, Pierre Thomas is it kind of a just just of a stay away at this point, and see if they actually factor into the offense. Yeah, I mean, Drawn was with Cleveland earlier, but he could hardly make it active status on, on a yeah. week to week basis here. Uh, Pierre Thomas, I'd say, maybe has a little bit more upside. I guess if you do that, uh, if you go with that checkdown logic, especially this week, but yeah. it's a matter of getting him acclimated really quickly and I'm sure he's a smart guy he's been in the league for a while but that's tough for anybody to step in on Monday or Tuesday and have an offense down by the following Sunday and it's also curious that he took until mid-season to actually land somewhere it took an injury barrage across the entire league at running back to actually make a squad yeah so there's gonna be a lot of free agents uh who had been looking for homes finding homes over the next couple days especially if teams are unable to get uh the moves made by the uh trade deadline which is this afternoon or it's actually coming as we're recording this podcast indeed yeah all right well fantasy football just got a whole lot more interesting week nine DraftKings will be hosting yet another millionaire maker event with one million dollars going to first place go to draftkings.com now and enter promo code rotowire to play free with your first deposit on DraftKings. That's promo code ROTOWIRE for free entry now with your first deposit at DraftKings.com. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Once again, here for the second half of our show, Jake Latarski alongside Eric Katuri. We are going through the waiver wire preview, and after hitting on all the top running backs, we want to move along to wide receivers here. And there's a few new names to pop up, but we absolutely have to talk about... Uh, some names that we've discussed in the past, and that's starting with the San Diego Chargers group of wide receivers. Now, the reason this all comes up is because Keenan Allen, who had been a PPR darling over the first eight weeks of the season, all of a sudden has a lesion in his kidney after taking a tough fall on Sunday. Now, he's expected to be okay long-term, but he will miss the rest of the regular season. That leaves Malcolm Floyd, who scored a couple times on Sunday, and Stevie Johnson, uh, both as top targets for the week, I would imagine. Uh, If you're looking, Floyd's more likely to be available, 22% of Yahoo leagues, 28% of ESPN leagues. Stevie Johnson, a little higher ownership, 43% of Yahoo, 29% of ESPN. Do you lean towards any either of those two as as the main beneficiary there, or should they just both both be owned based on, on, on what's there in your league? Yeah, I think they should both be owned, but I think this is going to become more of a socialist offense as well. Uh, Antonio Gates is dealing with a sprained MCL, but when he's back, he's probably the number one option. Uh, Danny Woodhead has been a ridiculous monster when it comes to targets out of the backfield this season, mm-hmm. 49 in eight games. So I think uh, Floyd and Johnson are going to have maybe a tough time to actually factoring into the offense. They might mm-hmm. balance each other out. Uh, one will do well one week, then the next week the other will. So it's just something to – I mean, yeah, I guess you want to take chances on them, but I don't know if you can consistently trust them from week to week. Yeah, I, I'm definitely right with you there. Uh, I do have Mike, or I'm sorry, Malcolm Floyd, and I remember the difference between Malcolm Chargers, Michael <laughs> Cardinals. We'll we'll talk about Michael in a second here. Uh, but Malcolm, I've got him in a flex spot right now in a league that you start three wide receivers. I I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm just kind of liking it a little bit, and uh, it's the matchup against the Bears on Monday night that helps right. things out for me a little bit. I think both of those guys are going to find. Pretty cheap prices in daily, and one of those two should have a should have a reasonably good night against a relatively porous Bears pass defense. Oh yeah, I I I can't uh, disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so right on. So uh, those two are probably your top targets for the week here. Again, Keenan Allen was third in the entire league here uh, with 89 targets during the first eight weeks of the season. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins led the pack with 113, followed by Julio Jones with 103. So. You're right. Those 11 targets per game have to go to somebody. Uh, yeah, and exactly. I, you know, maybe they'll go to the wideouts instead of 
uh, Antonio Gates since he's been used so much anyway in the three games he's been active. Yeah, of course, Gates, one of uh, Rivers' favorite targets. Also can't forget Ladarius Green left the game yep. early on with an ankle injury. Uh, that'll be another situation worth monitoring as the week rolls along there. So just uh, passing options dropping like flies there and that leaving plenty of looks for the other San Diego receivers. Even, I mean, if you're in a really deep league, there's maybe Dontrell and Mon. He's got a pretty good yards per target number yep. on the season. I, I mean, he doesn't have the same volume of targets, but when he is targeted, he seems like he's more of a big, bigger play guy. He's universally available. A nice matchup. Only caught one pass on two targets for ten yards. I wouldn't bid. I'd you know worth a zero dollar bid maybe, but uh, I'd say your big bids are going towards the Floyd Johnson train this week here. Yeah, exactly. All right, another Floyd. Of course, we we called an earlier podcast in the year the two Floyds, but we got to touch on Michael Floyd. Of course, John Brown listed as active for the game uh, against the Browns on Sunday, but didn't play a single snap. That opened things up to Michael Floyd, who uh, was able to once again find the end zone, correct? Yeah, yeah, three games in a row now reaching the end zone. He's actually had at least 50 receiving yards and at least three catches during those three games, too. Mm-hmm. So he is becoming a factor once again in the offense uh, after re- starting the season incredibly slowly. So he's, uh, with John Brown kind of dealing with his hamstring issue, it's allowed him to you know, have these nice outings the past few weeks. Mm-hmm. And maybe even build a little bit more trust with Carson Palmer. This was a, uh, a season high in receiving yards, almost double the season high, Michael Floyd. Now, I had yep. been sitting him on my bench for the last couple of weeks, and now in a, in a heavy bye week when I need to use him, of course, Michael <laughs> Floyd is also on a bye week this week. So keep that in mind if you're trying to pick him up. You won't be able to use him right away. But again, I'd say in anything 10 teams or greater, he should be owned. Oh, yeah, indeed. Uh, and the bye week should also give John Brown plenty of time to rest his hamstring, too. So we might be back to the you know, status quo when it comes to the passing offense for Arizona in Week 10. Yeah, it'll be tough for him to get it oh. uh, a fourth week in a row, especially when they go to Seattle. I was just going to say, they're traveling to Seattle. <laughs> I mean, but okay, so who's Richard Sherman going to take in this game? this game here because uh i mean uh fitzgerald lines up in the slot i'd imagine and and, and sherman might not see a whole lot of that i think he's actually probably going to take on brown I, it, it would surprise me if he uh, he doesn't actually switch around he stays on one side of the field too uh so that'll be contingent as well he doesn't actually follow everybody around like patrick peterson so i guess it'll be whoever decides to line up on the i believe right side of the field too much as, as normal so uh yeah, yeah yeah so right on there uh so let's see a couple more receivers we want to talk about sorry i was having a, a little mic troubles there i think we're back on track yeah uh, we got got to hit stefan Diggs. of course another touchdown this week his skill set's incredible 78 percent yahoo 70 percent of espn so his availability is drying up a little bit uh of course reminder of nate washington 25 percent yahoo 38 percent espn he's getting he's really the benefit of DeAndre Hopkins getting doubled and triple covered on a lot of plays. So there's going to be looks for him. Dwayne Harris scored a couple times in Sunday's shootout. He's pretty much universally available. And, of course, Robert Woods, he'll be back with Tyrod Taylor, also expected back in Week 9. 5% Yahoo, 6% ESPN. Any one of those guys stand out in particular for you? Um, So when I'm looking at these, you know, five options, four or five options here, uh, Stefan Diggs is a guy that I might actually want to sell high on at this point. He pl- he plays St. Louis uh, this coming weekend. They've only allowed three touchdowns to a wideouts this year, only 10 yards per catch as well. So that might be something you want to consider um, going into this week. Whereas Dwayne Harris is actually facing an offense or defense that has allowed 11 TDs to wideouts over the over their seven games this season. So that might be a guy that you you know want to target instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even after the big performance, I don't think his price will rise a ton in daily because it's Dwayne Harris. It didn't start too much. It yeah. didn't start too high to begin with. Yeah, exactly. All right, so uh, let's move on to some guys that we haven't touched on too much but uh, need to revisit mostly because of Steve Smith. Now, Steve Smith was just outside the top 10 in total targets uh, through this uh, point in the season, but he's got, was it a torn or a ruptured Achilles? It was, it was something with an Achilles injury, but that's going to sideline yeah. him the rest of the season. Yeah, indeed. All right, so now we head over to Kamar Aiken, uh, even maybe Chris Givens, Marlon Brown. I mean, Kamar Aiken's your top target. He's owning 20% of Yahoo and uh, 21% of ESPN League. So there's a 4 and 5 chance, 80% chance he'll be available. One caution is you won't be able to pick him up and use it right away here. He's got a week nine buy, uh, so we're going to have to hold on and, and wait and see there. But uh, are you trying to target Aiken on the waiver wire when he's available? Yeah, I, 
out of anybody that's actually still available in Baltimore uh, for Joe Flacco, Aiken has 43 targets in eight games. That's you know set to increase by a decent uh, decent amount. Uh, Crockett Gilmore is probably the next guy I'm thinking of who we'll talk about later as there well in we the tight end section. 29 targets in six games. So, yeah, I think those are going to be the top two options for uh, Flacco going forward. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Now, Chris Givens isn't anything more than a dart deep ball threat. I, I don't yep. really see him having a lot of utility in um, in season-long formats. I almost think of Givens as like a – like a poor man's Tory Smith, who's going to be very <laughs> like like hit or miss, and and maybe get some deep balls here and there, but it's going to depend be dependent. His value will be dependent on that one deep ball a game. Yeah, he is maybe. averaging nearly eighteen yards per catch, but he only has six catches on the year. All right, yeah, so right on a poor man's Tory Smith, and do you really want that on your roster? I, no. I guess I'll let you make the call. There. <laughs> yeah, so, I'll say no personally. Yeah. Okay, but. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> let let the readers know, or, or listeners know there. But uh, if you're if you're making a bid on Aiken, I wrote down eight to twelve dollars. Is that in the ballpark there for for a player like this who's about to see an increased opportunity? Yeah, I, I mean, of course you want to look at the guys that we've previously mentioned, uh, the four or five guys previously. But after that, you know, we're getting to the point where it's pretty uh, stark, not much available. So if you have some cash left, you need a wide out because of six mm-hmm. buy teams this week. Yeah, definitely uh, send it his way. Yeah, yeah, right on there. So uh, maybe take a look. But uh, once again, you're not going to be able to use these guys in week nine with the bye week here. One more guy I was almost going to mention was going to oh. be Brian Hartline, who scored twice last week, of course, Found out on Monday that he is entering concussion protocol, so his availability is looking iffy at best for the short week. Uh, if you can take anything from this, these guys are owned already, but Gary Barnage, Travis Benjamin, probably both going to see a lot of looks in the Thursday night game in one that I would anticipate falling behind early and staying behind. And, yeah, and perhaps even Duke Johnson. Yeah, Duke Johnson could be uh, in for a, a decent game despite a rough matchup here. But with that, we can go ahead and move on to tight ends. Now, we just got a quick allude to guys we've already mentioned. Ben Watson still only available in 52% of Yahoo, 53% of ESPN leagues. If he's available, you got to go out and get him. And uh, last week pretty much erased any further doubts about this guy. He's an older guy, but Drew Brees and him seem to have good chemistry, filling as much of the Jimmy Graham role as possible. You like him rest of the season as a tight end one even? Uh, yeah, I think I like him more rest of season than I do immediately in this uh, upcoming matchup. They play Tennessee, who's allowed just 14 catches for 132 yards and two touchdowns over the last four games to tight ends. So it, they've been able to corral any tight end they've so far faced uh, recently. But that rapport, you're right, is uh, really showing itself the last few weeks with uh, Drew Brees. Yeah, another guy who's on a hot streak, a tight end that we mentioned a while back, is uh, Jacob Tammy of the Falcons. He's someone who I had to jack up his projections just a hair this week. I guess yeah. Yeah, maybe that's a, a little bit of an exaggeration there. But, I, you know, bump the guy up uh, just because um, he's been doing it in a couple weeks in a row now. And he's just available in 6% of ESPN. Or, I'm sorry, he's owned in 6% of ESPN and 6% of Yahoo leagues. There. Sorry to confuse anyone there. But he had another 100-yard and a touchdown game this week. And uh, he seems to be the tight end uh, that Matt Ryan's been looking for. And he could get some sneaky value rest of season here. I mean, this was really his first big, big game. But Mm -hmm. he did have an eight catch for 94-yard game earlier in the season. But then in between those two games, uh, just six catches there. So tight end two maybe, is he worth the roster spot? Or are we kind of backing off? I think it's... I think a lot of it will be contingent upon Leonard, Leonard Hankerson actually coming back from his injury. Mm-hmm. So if he's able to actually play this coming weekend, yeah, then uh, I, I might be a little lower on Tammy. But if he doesn't look good in practice, we'll find out, which we'll find out about on Wednesday. Then yeah, Tammy's uh, Tammy could be uh, in for a repeat performance potentially. Yep, worth a look here. But my top tight end target for the week for a variety of reasons, and I and I. I'm thinking, guessing that you're going to agree with me that he's the top guy. I'm not sure. I guess we'll hear in a yeah. second. But uh, Heath Miller from the Pittsburgh Steelers owned in just 28% of Yahoo, 36% of the ESPN leagues. Now, this is something that we've, we all know what Heath Miller is all about and what he's capable of. Uh, and it's not only the skill set, but it's what's coming up on paper. He was targeted 13 times last week, catch, caught 10 balls for 105 yards and a touchdown. And he's going – or he – well, the Steelers are going to welcome the Raiders home for a Week 9 matchup here. And the Raiders, as uh, we've mentioned a few times, allowing by quite a sizable margin the most fantasy points per tight ends. Can I mean, Heath Miller's a tight end one this week, and 
he's available in almost three quarters of leagues. You got to go get him, right? Yeah, and we should note that it coincided. This performance coincided with Ben Roethlisberger actually returning to the mm-hmm. uh, you know field as well. So. Uh, he's been one of the old reliables for Roethlisberger over much of his career, and we seen it right. Out, we saw it right out of the gate, rather. And the matchup is pretty decent too, as you mentioned. You know, Oakland is allowing the most points of t- tight ends this season in standard formats. Yeah, and Heath Miller. I mean, really, I'm going to use him in every daily lineup this week. That's going to be my staple. I think his price is going to be low after all those weeks with the Vic Landry Jones mess, and now that he's got his guy back, uh, coming off a nice week with 13 targets, the matchups. Per- perfect i yeah. think he's good you can know even throw down 10 15 dollars in fab yeah uh, it doesn't it doesn't really seem like it matters which tight end is facing the raiders this year they've given up touchdowns to tight ends in six of their seven games mm-hmm. so there seems to be a good bet that he's going to find himself open over the middle at some point and you know you ben's going to get him the ball yeah and probably used a lot in the red zone too Oh, yeah, without a doubt there. Uh, I mean, even with that receiving core getting healthier, uh, you know, missing Le'Veon Bell, maybe there's a couple more targets that are – because Le'Veon Bell was always a threat to get double-digit targets, uh, and they got to go somewhere as well. Yeah. And not only is Antonio Brown going to get a lot more looks, all, all of us Brown owners can collectively breathe a sigh of relief that Big Ben is back. But anyone that was hanging on to Heath Miller can – can breathe the similar side really uh, yeah there because uh it's looking optimistic for him rest of season i could see him returning top 10 value yeah oh yeah for sure all right another tight end that we want to discuss who recently had himself a change of scenery that is vernon davis formerly of the san francisco 49ers what a mess that was now heading to super bowl contenders denver broncos how happy is he he has to be incredibly happy, right? Yeah, I mean, they just it wasn't only team chemistry, but he could just never get it going with Kaepernick there, even after showing some big-time potential early on in his career. Now, 34% of Yahoo leagues, just 16% owned in ESPN leagues, has a decent matchup going to Indianapolis Week 9, but does he take some time to adjust? Yeah, I think he does. Uh, so Owen Daniels has only had fellow tight end. Owen Daniels only has 32 targets on the season, whereas Virgil, Virgil, Virgil Green has only eight. Mm-hmm. So the, they've been using their um, you know starting wideouts and Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders most of the time in the passing game. So it might take him a little time to get accustomed to you know playing with Peyton Manning. So I, I wouldn't expect it, expect it immediately, but down the road, I think it looks good. Yes, and Peyton Manning looked like uh, look his old Pro Bowl self against the Packers last week. Uh, it <laughs> yep. was uh, one of those things very tough for us to watch up here in Wisconsin. But Peyton Manning uh, looked excellent, but let's not forget here the first the first seven weeks of the season how how great Peyton Manning looked I mean just not looking like he has a lot of muscle on any of those throws having a tough time connecting on deep balls now Vernon Davis I see as a big athletic tight end who uh, a quarterback needs to be having accurate down through field throw in the seams to get him the ball do you have confidence in Peyton Manning being able to do that well he, he did do it against a you know arguably banged up Packers secondary on uh, Sunday night so um yeah, I can I can see it happening. I just don't know if I see it happening immediately. I yeah. think they're going to have to take a little time to actually get their rapport down. But, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, going so, forward. Yeah, I have a couple desperation leagues with Vernon Davis as my tight end, and I'm going to keep him. Probably not going to start him this week because I want to wait and see how many snaps he gets compared to the other guys and, and how he's used there. Yeah. So uh, something else to work on. Another tight end we got to mention here is uh, Crockett Gilmore of the Ravens. Now, Caution, he is on a bye week nine, so you're not going to be able to pick him up and play him right away. But he's available in just 30, or he's owned in just 13% of Yahoo leagues, 14% of ESPN leagues. And he's another guy that could see some more looks with Steve Smith out for the season now. Uh, you think Flacco can get him the ball? And is, is he worth picking up? Yeah, he's already proven, I think, so far through half a season that he can get Gilmore the ball. It's just his target count of nearly five per game is going to definitely increase. So that, you know, pushes him up the rankings even farther. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with you there. And, I mean, a couple, I'm in a couple leagues where it's it's tough to find Crockett Gilmore. Tight ends are at a premium, and he's been pretty much scraped up in a lot of my leagues. But if someone has to make a really tough call this week because of bye weeks and maybe drop Gilmore – then I, I would get after him and and make sure you can do that when waivers clear before the weekend, or especially if you have bench space, just because uh, he's a valid tight end oh, too. You know? They're on they're on by. Yep, they are I was just like I was just uh, scrambling. Oh, who did they face this week? Oh, it's all right. Yep, it, it'll be a little while before he uh, takes field, but yeah, somebody to target if he is out there. Yep, got to keep an eye on Crockett Gilmore there. Of course, Heath Miller, top tight end target if available. 
I'll say Ben Watson's the top tight end target if available, but I think Heath Miller in week nine probably has a better chance, a little bit more upside with the matchup there. Yes, so indeed, yeah. there's there's a quick tight end summary. Uh, you know, we'll skip kickers other than uh, my advice there is check the weather report, check uh, where they're playing. That always helps with kickers. But I uh, want to go to uh, a couple of defenses maybe that are going to mm-hmm. be worth a look here. Uh, sorry to switch up the order a little bit, but uh, because it's the Thursday night game, I want to talk about the Bengals first. They are surprisingly still only owned in 35% of Yahoo and 39% of ESPN leagues. They're going to get the Browns, a banged-up offense on a short week here. They've they've got to be one of your top streaming plays for this week, right? Yeah, they've given up, uh, the Browns, that is, have given up 27 sacks this year, and Cincinnati is actually ranking near the top of the heap when it comes to that category this season, surprisingly. So, yeah, I can see whoever is quarterbacking Cleveland or the Browns on uh, Thursday finding themselves on the ground a lot. And the the Browns do give up a fair amount of turn- turnovers as well. So, uh, I mean, yeah, it's definitely in play. Yeah, I, w- I would have to agree with you there. Sacks lead to fumbles and interceptions as well big plays all across the board here and, and of the, course Manziel's a little bit more escapable than McCown is uh, yeah. you know be, being the younger quarterback but he's still going to take his fair share of shots regardless of you know he starts or, or how, how it plays out yeah and the Bengals D is available almost everywhere too 35 percent Yahoo 39 percent ESPN so that that's one of those situations where you just stream and stream them because of the matchup Mm -hmm. and you know there could be some weeks down the road where they where they have some favorable matchups as well and if they keep up the sack pace at least that gives you a high ceiling to work with on this Bengals. so i don't know i i'm finally about ready to cut bait with the detroit lions defense everywhere i picked them up i I don't know why i ever thought that was a good idea but i'm looking to cycle through again and i'm looking at the Bengals. another one i might look at that were dropped in a lot of places including by myself is the miami dolphins now they're owned in just 30 or or, uh, yeah owned in just 30 percent of yahoo 37 percent of espn leagues they do have a little bit tougher matchup they head to buffalo to face the bills now the bills are going to get tyrod taylor back this week sammy watkins still kind of up in the air they're banged up but i mean this Dolphins defense has looked pretty resurgent under their new head coach here. Do you think that can keep up? Yeah, except for when they faced New England last Thursday. Mm-hmm. And earlier in the season when Miami took on Buffalo, it didn't go so hot. So I, I don't know if if I totally trust them, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> you're right. It's a... It's almost, it feels like it's a different team now, but you can't argue with the numbers here. So I don't know. The Dolphins are a team that I saw show up in, in, a, in a lot of waiver wire uh, type publications this week. So I wanted to bring them up just in case yeah. because of where they're trending outside of the New England game. But at the same time, uh, maybe not this week with the matchup. Yeah, you, you may remember when Buffalo actually traveled to Miami in week three. Buffalo hammered them 41-14. Now Miami actually has to go to Buffalo where we don't know what the weather's going to be like potentially mm-hmm. at mid, at the early portion of November here. So yeah. it not a lot of look not not a lot looks good but if you can take into like or keep it in mind that they just went to New England too so they mm-hmm. had it at similar weather. Yeah, and I mean we like to talk about checking the weather report for streaming kickers. The same applies to steaming de- or streaming defenses. The worse the weather is, the better off defensively it's going to be. I mean, look at Monday night, how rainy it was and how many fumbles, interceptions, et cetera, were caught. Uh, yep. you know, maybe a little bit tougher in the kicking game. We saw a costly extra point missed in last night's game. A little tougher to hang on the passes, a little tougher to get a, a field goal snapped down. So absolutely worth checking the weather report here. One situation where you won't have to check the weather report is uh, a week nine matchup between the Titans who are heading to uh, New Orleans to face the Saints in a dome. Saints available just about everywhere. Now, after they gave up seven touchdowns to Eli Manning last week, you've got to imagine that there's a tough time picking them up and playing them. And of course, they're only owned in 4% of Yahoo and 5% of ESPN leagues. However, they do face the Titans, who are getting shaken up with a new head coach. And they may, we're still not sure about Marcus Mariota, might see a little bit of Zach Mettenberger there. Is that enough alone to make you consider the Saints this week in a, in a tough stream situation? Yeah, so the Titans O-line has given up 14 sacks over the last three games. They've also, Titans have committed one, two, three, four, uh, seven turnovers of the, over the last three games. So it, mm-hmm. a lot looks, um, you know, good for the matchup. And, you know, going to the Superdome is, ha, has in the past not been friendly a friendly place to play either so yeah so you're just uh crossing your fingers banking on a couple big plays and i think that mettenberger will probably offer them up yes makes it uh plenty 
Yeah, Mettenberger's 0-8 as a starter in his career, so that's just something to keep in mind as well. Yeah, take a look at that. And Saints, because of their performance this year, especially only in fantasy will you think about using a defense or, or praising a defense, even that gave up, what, 49 points the week before. Yes. But uh, that, that might happen here. And the other thing to watch for is Saints are going to be at the bottom of the price list in just about all uh, contests that come out this week. So oh, very good point, yeah. Yeah, you're going to be able to save uh, if you do decide to take. Now it's risky because you never know. The Saints could still go out there and give up. 35 points and but you're banking on a couple turnovers and hopefully something to balance that out there but I don't know I don't really think Mettenberg is going to is capable of scoring 35 points I guess we'll wait and see there but uh but yeah they're going to be able to help you with the rest of your daily lineups by giving you an extra four five six hundred dollars to play around with which can absolutely make a difference in tournaments and cash games oh yeah yeah all right so with that thank you for listening to the rotowire fantasy football podcast brought to you by draftkings.com the leader in daily fantasy sports use the promo code rotowire when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today also check out rotowire.com free for 10 days by going to rotowire.com slash pod that's rotowire.com slash pod once again i'm jake letarski find me on twitter at jakeski 52 yeah, and over here it's Erica Turry, and you can find me on Twitter at ETCAT30. All right, the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast will return Wednesday. knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolor paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.